Welcome to the podcast that's all about empowering women so they can have a thriving career as a mother. This podcast is for high-achieving women who want to have a successful career without sacrificing quality time and connection with their kids. Get insights, tips and strategies about doing work you love by leveraging your natural gifts and superpower as a mom. It's time to change the narrative around being a career mom from one of struggle, sacrifice and stress to something that's empowering, uplifting and rewarding. Thanks for listening and join me on this journey. Today, I wanted to share three phases on how you can pay off debt and still live a fulfilling life. You know, the usual advice you hear about debt repayment is that it's all about the things you can't, shouldn't, and mustn't have, like not having frivolous indulgences in lattes, eating out, or buying something just because you like it. You often also hear about all the musts and shoulds and have-tos, like you must throw all your available cash on paying off all of your debt as quickly as possible, and especially attack those with high interest rates, or you must cut up all your credit cards and only use cash. I found this kind of advice to be incomplete, so I came up with my own set of processes that has enabled me to pay off over $335,000 worth of debt without putting my life on hold. So if you're like me and you have a huge debt that would take a while to pay off, you might want to reconsider the conventional advice about using all of your cash to pay off your debt. It could actually backfire and leave you in deeper debt and living a small, limited life. Just because someone had a huge medical bill, made a bad financial decision, or or simply just didn't have enough money for some emergency in life, whatever the circumstances were that led someone into debt, I feel shouldn't condemn them into living a life of deprivation, misery, and shame. Debt really is a four-letter word that can make you feel imprisoned, trapped, and ashamed. Depending on how much your debt is versus how much you earn, it can also take a while to pay it off. And while you're paying off debt, it's really important not to put your life on hold because this really is the only life you've got, right? At the same time, you also don't want to continue making impulsive spending decisions because you've given up hope of ever being able to get out of debt or stay out of debt. You know, when I was looking for answers about how to pay off my debt, I didn't find respite in advice that told me to cut back on my expenses and put my life on hold while I was paying off debt. Because what do you do if despite cutting back on everything that you can, you still fall short? Of course, I could have taken really drastic measures and probably paid off all the debt in a shorter amount of time. But I just felt that that would put us further back in the long term because we would never be able to make up for the lost time by pulling out of all of our investments, not to mention it would definitely have taken a toll on the physical and mental well-being, not just for myself, but also for our family. And so it wasn't something I I wanted to do. So I sought to find another way where I could pay off debt without putting my life and our kids' life on hold. And this 
kind of searching has led me to three phases. The first is what I call stabilize. The second is organize. And the third is accelerate. Let me go through each of these phases. The first phase, stabilize. The reason why we can be stuck in debt is because we continue adding to our debt. In this stabilized phase, we're aiming to stop adding to debt as a first step rather than to focus on eliminating debt right away. Trying to eliminate debt while you continue to add to it is like emptying water from a leaky boat. It's a never-ending process that inevitably drowns you. Instead, your first step should be to fix that hole so that you can stop more water coming into your boat. If you only focus on eliminating debt by throwing all of your money towards paying it off, not only does it leave you feeling deprived of meeting your true needs, but it will only lead you back to adding more debt in the long term. Because using all of your money to pay off debt means you're probably not going to have anything left to set aside for savings. This means the next time you encounter an unexpected expense or emergency, you'll have to put it on your credit card again, keeping you trapped in debt. And so the cycle just keeps you trapped and it goes round and round and round. So the first thing to do if you want to free yourself from debt forever is to stop adding more debt. The way to do this is to make it a priority to set aside savings consistently so you can draw on these savings when you need to. And this is what Financial Recovery Institute and Money Grid founder Karen McCall terms saving your way out of debt. It's the method I've been using to pay off over that you know, over $355,000 worth of debt without compromising the lifestyle for myself and my family. To do this, you're going to need to have a strategy, right, for your savings. It's not enough to just set aside, oh, you know, three months of emergency savings. Because when is it really an emergency that qualifies drawing from your emergency savings? And when is it just poor planning on your part? Having a savings strategy therefore enables you to be very clear about what your savings will be used for, when it will be used, and exactly how much you'll need to set aside. So you don't just set some arbitrary number as the sufficient amount for your emergency savings. The first step to making savings a priority when you're paying off debt rather than not having any savings because you've used it towards paying off your debt, is the most important step to begin stabilizing and to stop adding to your debt. So right now you might be wondering, that all sounds great, but how am I supposed to set aside savings when I don't even have anything left at the end of each month? Well, one way to do this is to maybe consider a 0% um, balance transfer and this is where it could buy you more time to pay the minimum amount on your credit card without being penalized with high interest charges. 
If you use this method, however, you've got to be clear about the upfront charges. Usually there's an upfront processing fee, an administrative fee, and you also need to have the confidence that you can pay the outstanding balance by the end of the interest-free period, which is typically 6 months, 12 months, and 18 months in some cases. And, you know, this is really the, the method I use to avoid high interest charges. While for myself, I had to take a couple of balance transfers before clearing the, the total outstanding balance, it enabled me to consistently set aside savings and earn more money in the meantime so that I could stop adding on more debt. If you don't have this facility, then maybe you could consider paying off the minimum balance on your card so that you have some extra cash to put towards savings to take care of all those emergencies. While you may end up paying more in interest fees in absolute terms, you you will stop adding more debt. And that's really the first priority at this stabilized stage. Psychologically, it is also a huge boost the next time you get an emergency and you can pay it off with your savings without charging it again to your credit card. Paying off debt, it's really not just a simple mathematical matter, right? Because it's also a psychological battle. You've got to prove to yourself that you can do it. And there's nothing that feels better than when you have a huge amount of money, um, you have a huge uh, expense, unexpected expense, and you can pay it off completely with cash. And I remember the incident when I totally forgot that I needed to change my tires and that cost me about $1,000. By this time, I had set aside the cash. And in the past, I would have just put it on the credit card and I would have added $1,000 more to my debt. But this time, I paid the whole thing off in cash because I had that saving set aside because I did the 0% um, balance transfer that enabled me to set aside that cash to do that. Staying out of debt is a simple thing of just making sure that what you spend is less than what you make. So if you don't make enough money to sustain your lifestyle, you'll have to look into how you're going to earn more money. The reason I don't talk about making more money as the first step is because you want to know exactly how much money you need to make. Otherwise, it's easy to always want to make more and more as your spending keeps going up and up. Knowing when it's enough is also important to living a life of freedom and fulfillment where you're not constantly striving and driving for more and more and more. It's one thing to have forward momentum and growth as a human being and quite another to be obsessed with acquiring more. We need forward momentum and growth to live a happy, fulfilling life. Being obsessed and acquiring more and more, on the other hand, just makes us feel empty and unfulfilled. I'll talk more about figuring out how much money you need to live the life you want in the second phase. For now, let me share with you how you can make more money. There are two strategies when it comes to making more money. The immediate short-term strategy 
and the long-term strategy. In the short term, you may have to get a second job, ask for a raise, switch to a higher paying job, freelance by offering the skills you have, maybe consider tapping into any governmental support that's available to you, collect money that others owe you, or maybe even barter right, for the things that you need. Well, these are all things you can do in the short term to relieve a little bit of financial pressure. They are not sustainable in the long run to create the life of your dreams, right? Because you can become exhausted working two or three jobs. Your job may max out of a pay grade and you can only keep job hopping so much. And of course, government support, we know it may run out. It may become unavailable for whatever reason. Therefore, a more sustainable way to earn more, but which takes a little bit more time, is to work on getting the skills to solve more complex problems that people are willing to pay you more for. And you'll also want to develop self-confidence to negotiate, to influence and advocate for yourself in terms of how much money you get, the kind of work you do, and how you spend your time. At work, because remember, time and money are similar in the sense that most of the time, people who feel like they don't have enough money also tend to feel like they don't have enough time. And you can feel so much richer if you earn the same amount of money but spend a lot less time doing that, right? That also frees up time for you to develop the skills to increase your earning potential and invest the time to build genuine relationships with people you respect and admire to become. And the thing is, relationships and networking are a very effective way to get opportunities and open doors for you. Finally, to make more money, you have to know what your strengths, talents and limitations are so you can be strategic in how and where you spend your time and energy and what you pursue. You don't really want to do something that you're bad at, firstly because you're probably not going to enjoy it so much and also chances are you're not going to earn that much from it if you're not standing out as an expert. The second phase I want to talk about is consolidate. So the second phase is all about consolidating your money by organizing and implementing daily rituals. To figure out how much you need to live the lifestyle you want means you have to be clear how much that lifestyle is going to cost you. This is where tracking your expenses and income will provide you with the data you need to objectively analyze how much money you need to work towards. Without any data on how much money you spend and make each month and each year, you're not going to have a clear picture of whether you make enough money to sustain the lifestyle you want. Then what happens is you end up charging your credit card and getting back into debt again. And I know it sounds so simple and it is, yet most people don't like tracking because it requires discipline and commitment. Tracking also forces you to get honest with yourself about your behaviors around money. Do you spend more than you wish? Do you want to make more money than you're making? So why aren't you making that money? Why do you do what you do with your money? These are all difficult questions to answer honestly. The next part to getting organized with your money is to plan ahead. 
Most emergency spending is due to poor planning rather than being true emergencies. Those unexpected expenses that keep coming up weren't truly unexpected, right? It was probably because they aren't on your regular expenses and therefore it's a case of out of sight, out of mind. When you plan ahead for the month, the quarter, and the year, you take all these irregular expenses into account, and you do the same thing with your income. That way, whatever income or expenses that don't show up monthly already gets accounted for, so you're not caught by surprise and you can plan for it. If you want to get smart and good with money, tracking and planning ahead are foundational skills to acquire and master. And it doesn't have to be difficult or painful when you have the right systems and tools in place. This is why having daily rituals that you don't really need to think about and making your tracking and planning activities easy to do, it's key to making sure that you keep doing it consistently. Once they become a part of your life, you just do them automatically, just like brushing your teeth. How then can you make tracking and planning your money a part of your daily routine? Firstly, ask yourself, do you have any other routines that you already do on a regular basis? Can you couple your tracking and planning of your money with any of these routines? For me, I set aside time in my calendar every morning for 10 to 15 minutes to update my money. I allocate more time for planning the month ahead and I might set aside a few sessions of 30 minutes to an hour for the annual plan because this takes longer, but this is also only done once a year. Then look at your own lifestyle and the activities that you do and find out when's the best time for you to plan and track your money. In the beginning, having a coach was instrumental in helping me get into this ritual of tracking and planning my money because I knew I was meeting her every week and I had to get my homework done before I met her so that we could maximize our time together. Working with my money coach helped me get my ritual of tracking and planning embedded in my life. And once that ritual was embedded, I no longer had to think too much about it. The other thing you may want to consider also is um, when you're working into your daily ritual is activities that help you strengthen your financial resilience. As someone who used to get stressed out and anxious about money, I found that daily rituals like uh, practicing my yoga and meditation every morning help me develop more peace of mind and calm. So these are also part of my daily rituals in addition to tracking and planning my money. So what my morning, I know, you know, without having to think about it, when I wake up, um, I already have that ritual in place. I meditate and then I do my yoga and then I'll just log into my money grid, which is the tool I use. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 10 minutes and that's it. And I update it. I have a quick look at what things are looking like and that's it. I carry on with the rest of my day. So look at what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and see how you can embed tracking and planning your money as part of what you do. Finally, the third phase is accelerate. Now that you have stabilized and consolidated your financial situation, it's time to accelerate your progress. By this time, you would have a good idea of how much your ideal lifestyle costs from your regular tracking. You also now have a system of saving, earning more money and planning ahead. 
You'll want to know what all that you're doing is for, right? I mean, what's the kind of future you're building? In this phase, you want to identify the vision for your life. The thing about vision and purpose is that it's not always crystal clear, right? From the beginning, knowing what your vision and purpose are, it's really a process of trial and error and self-discovery. Often, many of us have been conditioned that we have to know the answer or the exact steps up front and the chances of success, what they are before we'll invest the time to do the work. But your vision and your purpose will only be revealed to you over time as you try out new things, fall flat on your face or make U-turns. And sometimes really it feels like you're taking two steps forward and one step back. If you keep at it though, over time, you'll come to see your strengths and your talents, what are your true needs, what are your desires and wants, what are the priorities you have, your values, your beliefs um, that you know are all shaped and formed from our life experiences, what our money stories are from whatever financial trauma we experience as a child, who our role models are. So all of these things take time. So give yourself time and space to explore your vision and purpose. And it's hard to give yourself time and space when you're constantly stressed out about your money, right? And that is the reason why phase one and phase two come first. You've got to get yourself into a place where you actually can create that space for yourself to then explore and discover and learn more about yourself. One way to get clearer and closer to the vision of your life is, I found, is also to set goals and then review them regularly. You may start out with a vision to make more money if you're in a situation where you realize you don't seem to earn enough for the lifestyle you want. And that may be the case for you at this current moment. In this case, you might have goals and tasks or actions you need to take to reach the goal of, let's say, making $5,000 more a month, for example. Sometimes, despite our best efforts, things don't go as we planned and, you know, we don't achieve our goals. And, you know, that's actually quite normal because even highly successful people don't achieve all their goals. But your goals will give you a broad direction of where you're heading. And in the course of working towards achieving your goals, you would have taken some actions, you'd have done some tasks, and you probably have learned some new skills along the way. And, you know, that's the purpose of goals sometimes. And then, of course, as you regularly review your goals, you want to see what worked and what didn't. What do you need to fine tune and tweak and change or maybe even toss out? This ongoing iterative process is how you will get closer and clearer about your financial vision. Often our vision and purpose is something that's beyond just money. The money we seek is really to achieve some intangible state. Whether it's your sense of self-worth, to be a good parent, to seek safety, security, love or companionship, these can often be met in non-monetary ways. And ultimately, your vision is an expression of your internal calling. And this internal calling is something that's something bigger than yourself. It's why you do what you do and it fulfills you at a deeper level when you're able to do this, right? 
So to summarize, if you want to pay off debt and stay debt-free without putting yourself in a state of deprivation or putting your life on hold, then you'll need to all have all of these three phases. And the first phase, again, to remind you, the first phase is to organize your finances. The second phase is to consolidate your finances. And the third phase is to then accelerate your finances. Doing this out of order only keeps you in a state of deprivation, unfulfillment and disenchantment. And worst of all, gets you sucked back into debt. And we don't want that to happen. So I hope you found this episode useful. If you want the details of these three phases, then download my free guide at 2.0.me forward slash guide. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again next week. Bye now. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review so that more women can find it and benefit from it. To learn more about how you can thrive as a career mom, come to my free masterclass, Thriving in Career and Motherhood. Go to SharonSingSidhu.com forward slash meetup to register. I look forward to seeing you there.